Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from December 5th by Pastor Randy titled, Overcoming Fear at Christmas. All right, so I've got questions for you. And you can raise your hand or give me a nod or maybe some of you might raise a pinky, I don't know. But how many of you have a nativity scene at home? You got a nativity scene, okay. They're different. They all have different characters in them sometimes, and they're different according to what part of the world that you're in. They can, different parts, as far as part of the country, you know, where nativity scenes can be very different. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went with my uh, son, Lisa and I went with my son and, and daughter-in-law to the Arboretum in Dallas. And it's, uh, it's like 60-something acres they have there in the middle of Dallas. It's a beautiful setting. There's a little uh, lake there and, and, and things that it goes around. And, and they put different things up seasonally. And so we'd been there uh, in November when they're having it decorated for fall, and there's probably, I don't know, I'm not exaggerating. I would say about 100,000 pumpkins that they got decorated. Every day. And that's not an exaggeration. That's probably about how many there really are there. Uh, and at Christmas time, we went a couple years ago, they had like the, the 12 days of Christmas and all those little things that's in the 12 days of Christmas. You walk through and you're going through this, uh, you know, garden type setting with all the ornaments, all the stuff around there. Then they have a, a little building that has the first day of Christmas in it. Not a building. It's a little round thing with glass. And sometimes it's live people inside, you know, doing the things. That, but anyway... Guess I better get on to my point. Uh, they have a uh, a building there where the people who donated a lot of land for the arboretum, where they used to live, it's their home, and it's kind of like a museum now. And so at Christmas time, they got it all decorated for Christmas, and you go from room to room, and they're decorated differently for Christmas. And they had one room in there that had nothing but nativity scenes in it. Somebody didn't come from the people who had lived there, but somebody had donated their, their display of nativity scenes that they had collected from all over the world, and there were tons of them in the room, everywhere. And, and so I began to notice all the different type of nativity scenes. And my favorite nativity scene is this one right here. This is the millennial nativity scene. Okay? So you got the shepherd on his iPad you got the sheep. I know you can't read it, but he's, he's eating out of the gluten-free trough. You have Mary and Joseph taking a selfie in the stable. Notice the solar panels on top of the stable. Okay, and then you have the uh, wise men rolling up on their segways with their skinny jeans and their presents that they got from Amazon online. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's it's all millennial and updated type of thing. Uh, let let me back up here before we get to the scripture. Is that still up? Okay, y'all are gonna be distracted. But anyway, uh, so let me ask you this: How many of you committed the unpardonable sin this year and put your Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving? Oh, okay. A few more of you in here. I see some in the back too. Okay. The reason, because we, we sort of can't wait till Christmas, right? We, we, we just want Christmas to get here. We want to. Now, as a child, Christmas can't come fast enough. 
How many of you, when you were kids, you had little calendars count down till Christmas gets here? Maybe at school or something, okay? We don't do that for any other holiday. Nobody says, oh, just 15 more days till Mother's Day. Can't wait. Or, you know, Memorial Day's coming up in just five days. We don't do for that for anything else. It's all about waiting for Christmas. We, we can't wait for, for it to get here. Now, we're going to look at today a story about some people who waited their whole lives for the very first Christmas. I mean, for them, it couldn't come quick enough. And they waited and waited and waited, although it had been hundreds of years since it had been promised, and other people thought it's just fairy tales, there's nothing to it, you know, don't worry. But they were of a group of people who were looking forward for the first Christmas when the Messiah would come, and their names were Zechariah and Elizabeth. And so we're going to read about them. Here, let, let's read about them, beginning in Luke chapter 1. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a great priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So these are good people. They're from a long line of pe preachers. Let's just put it that way, okay? Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. So they were living like God wanted them to live. Uh, if they were running for office, there'd been no dirt to dig up in their background. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. So not only are they very good people, they're very old people. An exciting Friday night for them was Metamucil and reruns of Matlock. Okay, that's, that's what brought excitement to them. But not only are they very good and very old they're also very sad because in that day, not to have any children, it meant more than just not having kids. It meant they had nobody to give their inheritance to. It meant they had nobody to take care of them when they got older. But worse than that, there's a stigma attached to being childless that somehow God was cursing you or God was against you or you had done something to make God mad. So I know we don't realize that in our day, but in that day, to be childless. There's a stigma attached to that that, that we can't relate to. So let's reset the stage of these first three verses. So Zach and Liz, even though God has not answered their prayer for a child, even though he seems to be against them, even though they're going through this pain and the shame of being childless, they're still living life God's way. They're still choosing to go ahead and serve him anyway. How many people do you know in their life, they have the attitude, what has God done for me lately? I haven't gotten any benefit from trying to serve God or from going to church or anything. I mean, nothing's happened to me lately from, from God. In fact, life just seems to be even probably worse than ever. Uh, this is not benefiting me any. Why should I keep on? It's been hundreds of years since God's done anything. It's been 10 years since I even felt God in my life. And so, so many people will just walk away at that point. And say, forget you, God. That's our culture to a good extent. But it wasn't Zach and Liz. That wasn't them. 
Let's continue reading. When his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He's talking about Zechariah. It happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of the whole assembly of people were praying outside. Let me give you a little background. David, he divided the priests up into different divisions. The reason why, because there's so many priests and they couldn't all serve at the same time. So King David divided the priests in different divisions and twice a year, each division came to Jerusalem to the temple and served for a week. And this is Zechariah's division. This is his week. And during this time, by a little lottery system, one priest is chosen to go into the temple and burn incense there on the altar. Burning incense is what they did when they prayed. Zach gets chosen to do that. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. He's pumped. He gets to be the person to go in and light the incense inside the altar in the temple. Oh, what a privilege. And so he goes in and he thinks he's going to be the only one there. But an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. A lot of times when we think of angel, we think of things, something like precious moments or, or playing a harp on a cloud or something like that. But angels are actually very terrifying. Because when people see angels in Scripture, they think they're seeing God. And so they think their life's over. They're just going to die. That's the end of it. So when I hear stories like some guy saying, yeah, you know, I was there shaving in the morning and an angel appeared next to me and, and we just talked casually while I was shaving and then he was gone, I think, that was an angel from the presence of God. Because angels that are coming from the very presence of God, they're terrifying even when they don't want to be terrifying. Even when, when they turn the glory setting down to a one, it's still more than we can handle. I mean, angels, at God's command, they can just wipe out a whole nation. So he's overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Now, Christina was talking about peace earlier. How much peace would come upon you if God says of you or if you heard from some other source or whatever that God has heard your prayer? I mean, even if God said, I'm not going to do anything right now, just to know that God knows that he's heard you. Jesus says this in, in Matthew 6 when he's talking about prayer. He says, when you go into that quiet place and, and pray to your heavenly father, Know that he hears you and he knows what's going on. He knows your needs. I think how comforting just to, just to know that God hears me, that he knows. Even if nothing else is going to be done about it, just to know that God knows your prayer. And I think, boy, that would bring comfort. That would bring peace. And here's what he says. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. 
Now, why would he have to turn people back to God? Because they had left God. That's why. Because it had been a hundred years or several hundred years the last time God had moved in the nation of Israel. And so, so many people were thinking, this is just a fairy tale. These are just fables. And they had walked away. Even the religious people who still said they believed in God, they were so far away from God, they didn't even realize how far away from God they were. It's been 170 years since there's been a great movement of God in our country, in this culture. And so what's happened? Many people have said, it's just fairy tales. It's just fables. And they have walked away from God. And even the religious people, that's us. We don't realize how far away we are from God. So he's coming so that many people can turn back to God. You see, God was concerned about revival even then. That's what he wants. That's what he wants when people are so far away from him as we are in our culture. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts and fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Prepared for what? Prepare for the Messiah. God is about to do a work greater than any work ever, greater than creation. And Zach is going to be the first one to know about it. He's the first one to hear about it. So what's Zach going to do? Because this has personal implications. He's going to be a father. It has national implications. The Messiah is coming. This is something different for the whole world to experience. What's he going to do? What's Zach's reaction going to be? Well, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man and my wife is well long in years. I need a sign, Zechariah says. How can I really know this is going to happen? And the angel's like, I am the sign. I'm here from the presence of God. And you tell me you need a sign? I'll give you a sign. And so we read, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you do not believe my words, which, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. In their proper time. So what happens next is Zach comes out because the people wonder what's taking him so long, what's taking him so long. So he comes out, he can't speak, so he's playing charades for a little while. And he makes his wife, Elizabeth, very, very happy. Not only is she going to have a child, but he can't speak for nine months. She doesn't have to hear his opinion about anything for the next nine months. She's living the dream. Okay. So there's this guy in college. He wants to ask this girl out to his fraternity's spring formal. It's a big deal. You got to dress up. But he doesn't just want to just say, hey, will you come to spring formal with me? So he wants to do things a little bit 
better than that. So he gets some friends to help. So this girl he wants to ask out, she drives the bus on campus. And so in the morning, she gets in her bus, and she's ready to go to her first stop, and she, you know, opens the door up, and there's a guy out there standing holding a sign with her name on it. She goes, yes, can I help you? That's me. What do you want? Are you going to get on the bus? You know, and, and no nothing. So she just closed the door, drives off, gets to the next stop, opens the door. There's a guy that says, will you? And so, okay, so she goes to the next stop, opens the door. Go with me is the next sign. And by now, people who should be getting off the bus, they're staying on because they won't see where this is going to lead. And so they get to the end, and there's a guy standing there with some candy and roses saying, will you go with me to the spring formal? You see, when you want to express your love, you're going to find a way to do it so people hear it. And when God expresses his love, he finds a way to do it when people are going to hear that word at the proper time. You mean God's always had this on his calendar? Yes. It's always been there on his calendar. It's always been there. God has waited this long on purpose? Yes. God hasn't just ignored me and, and pretend I didn't exist. He, I mean, he actually cares about me? Yes. At the proper time. So when Jesus comes, when he's born, all this is taking place when at the proper time. It's called Pax Roma or, or Roman peace. Because you don't travel around the world where there's conflict. Nobody here is going to Afghanistan or Somalia or Iran or Iraq. You don't go anywhere where there's conflict. You just stay there in your little space. So now we've got in the world Roman peace. Then there's Roman roads. You heard the saying, all roads lead to Rome? Because Rome loved building roads, and they did it well. There's still roads today that's being used that Rome built back 2,000 years ago. And where there's roads and when there's peace, there's trade. People going back and forth. And, and they're going back and forth through this little strip of land that connects three continents together. Where Israel is, where the people of God are. And then you have a common language. They can all speak Greek. So you have this set up where the most people can hear. And after the resurrection, within a few years after the resurrection, disciples and others had taken the gospel from Spain all the way to India. At the proper time, which will be fulfilled in their proper time, God had waited for this on purpose. How many of you have a situation which you would like to hear from God right now going on? A situation where God, oh, I just need to hear from you. See, here's the thing. God is never late, but he sometimes delays. And there's a big difference because when you're late, that means you should have been somewhere early. But when you delay, that means you purposely decide to come later. And God delays for two big reasons. One for his glory and the other to build up our faith. See, that's why he waited till Abraham had that knife in the air before he came and, 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 and 
had that ram in the bush and talked to Abraham and said, no, 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 here's my way to do it. That's why Hannah, uh, it was until she was in the temple pouring out her heart before God answered her prayer. And you could talk about Dave, we could talk about Joseph and on and on. Here's some things that we need to learn from Zach and Liz at Christmas. Here's number one. You can be faithful and not always full of faith. You can be faithful but not always full of faith. Like Zach and Liz, I can be faithful but not always full of faith because faith understands that God's going to answer prayer in his time and in his way. But see, a lot of times I want a McDonald's type of God. I want God to give me what I want. I want him to give me what I want right now. Anybody like that? Yeah, with no pickles preferably, but I want it now. That's what happens to, to us a lot of times is that we become that, that way where, God, it's all about what you can do for me, and we have this self-centeredness. But what you need to understand is that in that time of waiting, in that time of silence, in that time when we're wrestling and go, oh, God, but I need, but I need, but I need, and there's this wrestling within us, that's when God grows our faith. That's when God molds our heart. That's when things begin to work on the inside of us. And hey, no is an answer to prayer too, right? Not yet is an answer to prayer. But here's what you need to understand is that God, he doesn't just know what we want. He knows what we need. And he's about coming into our lives at the proper time. When it builds our faith and he can be glorified. Here's the other thing. Christmas reminds us that God refuses to remain historic. See, his name is not I was, it's I am. That's what we need to understand. And that's what uh, the angel challenged Zach uh, to believe, that God could show up in his life right now, presently in his life today. See, that's the trouble he had. Because Zach and Liz, they knew the story of Abraham and Sarah having a child in the old age. And they believed, boy, God could do this in the past. But they just have trouble that God could do something in their lives today, right now. So that's why he has trouble with this angel. That's why the angel sort of gets upset with him and said, no, look, I'm telling you, I'm, it's, it's happening right now. You, just, you can believe something in the past, but until you come to reality of what God wants to do in your life right now. That makes a difference. It's, it's the same thing that the conversation that Jesus has with, with Martha when Lazarus uh, dies and he's there to come resurrect him. And Jesus says, hey, I'm the resurrection. You believe in the resurrection, Martha? Yes. She says, I believe in the resurrection. I believe Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. And she's talking about some future event, maybe thousands of years later with, with Lazarus and, and, and thousands and millions of other people. But Jesus says, no, 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 today. Martha, I'm talking about today. And it's so easy for us to believe in a past, a God of the past and a past event and a God of the future. But, but what about what God wants to do in our lives today? See, it's easy for me to believe that, that God can conquer sin. He conquers sin on the cross and, and one day he's going to do away with all sin. But can he conquer sin in my life today? 
in our lives, in every one of us, God is going to come and want us to believe in him, not that he's a God and I was or a God that I will be, but a God who is I am today. And we have to decide whether or not we're going to do that or not. Whether we're going to believe that, 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 that our faith is supposed to make a difference in our lives today. I can't forgive them. I'll never be able to forgive them after what they've done. Maybe someday, but I just can't do it today. Yeah, I'll start tithing. You know, I used to tithe way back then and maybe sometime in the future, but just not today. Yeah, I believe God can make a difference in my marriage. I believe he can help save my marriage. He can make a difference. And he could have done that, you know, years ago, maybe in the future, but not today. And we can go on and on and on with, with a child that, that's walked away from God, with, with, with a, uh, going through a, a comfort of the death of a loved one, and on and on and on. Yes, he can comfort me, you know, maybe back then and maybe in the future, but not today. And our faith becomes a little more historic. It's God wants to enter into our world in those places that drains our faith. That's when he wants to come and, and start building our faith and, and starts coming into our lives in those places that drain our faith. And so it's that wrestling with God. It's wrestling with him. One verse, uh, it's not up there. The screen's changed since I looked at them this morning. They're different. Or either that or I'm just off. Yeah, I'm probably off. Verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast unto the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promises faithful to keep calm and carry on. So, we are to be a people who has a, not a historic faith, but a faith that in what God wants to do in us today. And, and, and next, There it is. Okay. The next thing, Christmas reminds us to take the fear out of our faith. Let me explain that. We want to be close enough to God to get the good stuff. We want to have heaven. We want to have the good things that, that we think you know, God should give us. But we don't want to be close enough to have to surrender to him. Because we don't want to totally give all our lives to him because he might ask us to be a missionary. He might ask us to, to give up something that we really, really like. Or he might ask us to, to marry somebody who's ugly. You know? And here's the thing. Here's what I want to argue with you for a moment. Fear is actually faith. But fear is faith in the wrong things. Fear is faith in all the what ifs. What if I get cancer? Or what if I get COVID? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if I never get married? Or what if I get married and I wind up marrying a jerk? You know, or what if I want to get married and marry a jerk and have kids that look like a jerk that's always reminded me that I married a jerk? You know, what if, what if, what if? And that keeps us, that fear keeps us from surrendering.
Fear is placing our faith in the worst case scenario. And here's another one. Our fear reveals the places where we have placed our hope in something other than God. Let that sink in for a minute. Whenever you're afraid of something, it's because you put your hope in something else other than God. Christmas should take away all our doubts that God has a proper time. It should take away all our doubts that God really cares for us, that he hears our prayers, and it should take away all our fear of surrendering to him. Let me give you three scenarios today that you can walk out of here with. Number one is this. You can walk out of here thinking, what has God done for me lately? I haven't seen him show up in my life. I think it's just a bunch of, bunch of fables, just a bunch of stories. And you can decide, and he can still come to church every Sunday, but inside that's what's going on. You've walked away from faith. You've walked away from God. Or you can be someone who is faithful, but you're faithful, and, but you're still believing in a God of yesterday or a God of the future, but not a God for today. Not a God of what he can do and wants to do in your life today, right now, today. Or you can be with someone who says, I believe God care, cares. I believe he has a proper time. I believe he hears my prayers. And I believe that the best thing I can do is just surrender to him. Not have any fear whatsoever. Here's what we read in Romans chapter 8. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will, we not, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Oh, what is there to fear in that? Why would you not want to surrender to that? So, We have a God that listens to us, that wants to come in and give us not what we want, but what we need. A God that we can surrender to. See, we learned that not only at the beginning of Jesus' life, we see that at the end of his life on the cross. And so we go here from the cradle to the cross. That's what we see. That we have a God that cares, a God who hears, and a God who we can surrender to without any fear. And a God who wants to work in our lives today. That wants to do something today, now, in you. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.